This episode is brought to you by Stay Blovely, a brand out of Greensboro everyone should know about. That's S-T-A-Y-B-L-U-V-L-Y. Each piece of clothing fuses fashion with designs that empower the black community while teaching the basis and meaning of black origins and culture through short videos about each piece on their site. Plus, you can get everything from long and short sleeve tees to hoodies and sweatshirts for under $40. Oh, and shipping is free all day, every day. Visit stayblovely.com. That's S-T-A-Y-B-L-U-V-L-Y.com to shop their collections. This episode of the Danny White Show is brought to you by Squarespace. Dude, <laughs> we're getting there, Tommy. Don't get don't get too far ahead from us. We, we're getting there, though. Okay, dude. I think we're good. We're good to do this thing. Welcome to a very special episode of the Daniel White Show. We're still in quarantine mode. This is, this is a quarantine special. And we're here with the Tommy Magalan, all the way in Ohio. What's up, Tommy? What up, Bro, Tommy G? As Tom, you, yeah, as you. <laughs> <laughs> so some background on this episode. I didn't. I was panicking because I'm trying to stay consistent with this show, and um, I was. I need an episode for tomorrow. Who the fuck could I talk to? And we had plans on Facetime or whatever this. A week anyway so it kind of worked out perfectly as i kind of put you on the spot so <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad it worked out but i mean this is my second time uh being a guest on one of your podcasts so uh i feel you know just uh it's great to be back daniel well you're a wonderful person and he is referring to the free pizza podcast tommy actually kind of got that podcast up and going i think you were in the top 20 um um, or the people that I got it started with, so I applaud you and thank you for that because you're amazing. My mom has a uh, in- the Instagram post that Amplifier made made of that episode printed, and it's in a frame in our <laughs> living room. <laughs> and like, that's <laughs> dude. I think that's so funny. I love I love that your mom is the best person in the world. She loves you. Moms don't know. How- crop they don't they don't understand the crop function. oh heck but, no okay. but <laughs> now nah, tommy's here we got luckily there's a bunch of bullshit happening in the world right now so we have plenty that we're going to talk about during this episode <laughs> unfortunately there's some <laughs> busy week yeah busy week and uh, a lot of racial injustice uh which there's no surprise for america right um a lot of shit with trump trying to censor or not trying, trying to um take control of so, some social media shit um, there's a lot to talk about. We're gonna talk about all of it. We're gonna talk about um, some quarantine shit we're going through and all that. But we're gonna start with a random ass um, icebreaker question before we get started. All right. Okay. So all gonna, right. You're gonna choose a number between one and twenty-five. Twenty-three, Michael Jordan. Because right. I just got done watching The Last Dance. Dude, you know what? I haven't freaking watched that yet. Oh my- Dude. It is incredible. I keep it is honestly incredible. I keep I've, go ahead. I was going to say we we can get back to talking about Michael Jordan in a second. Uh, I don't want to take away from the icebreaker question. 
Okay, we're gonna get back. We're gonna get back to that. So hold tight for the Michael Jordan. Anyways, um, so twenty three is. Have you returned anything you've purchased recently, and why? <laughs> have I returned anything I purchased? Um, so when when uh, quarantine first started, I was on like a real online shopping spree. I was just you know not going anywhere. Uh, so you know you end up having some expendable income that you didn't have before, and. Uh, I think I bought like eight shirts in a week. Um, <laughs> and I honestly, like online, just like I bought like a Dale Earnhardt shirt, this Mets jersey I'm wearing right now. Oh my God, you bought a Dale Earnhardt shirt. Dude, it, it is, uh, it's kind of uh, a belly shirt though. You know, I got to get in better shape before I break that out this summer. Dude, I love that. Well, damn. So you, so you, uh, so you what I was going to say is I, Sorry, I never return anything uh, from online shopping, and I just haven't been in a real store recently. So, oh yeah, I can't even remember the last thing I returned. Dude, you're like me. I well, I think the last time I probably returned was, gosh, it was probably an Amazon item because usually when I buy something from a store, like I'm buying it for a purpose. So. Um, you know exactly what you're buying before you go in there and get it. Exactly. I don't like. I used to kind of be loose with uh, kind of buying things as I walk past them in stores and stuff like that. But usually I'm just kind of you know I'm I'm there with a purpose. Um, but I think Amazon right. I returned something. I forgot exactly what it was because I took it to Kohl's. I don't know. I think it was something for some storage stuff. I don't know. I can't remember. But um, so yeah. You returned something you bought. Amazon to Kohl's. Yeah, they must have. They must have some investments in Kohl's because that's a return center now. Wow. Okay, I did not know that. I thought it was just like you returning something. No. Uh, I once bought a game from GameStop, and uh, for thirty bucks, and noticed that it was fifty dollars at Walmart, and they have a policy where you can return <laughs> up to three items a year without a receipt so i made twenty dollars off that video game and oh, you know shout uh, out to walmart for having such uh loose policies i hope the cops are listening to this <laughs> and they come and arrest you yeah come come and find me <laughs> but nah no me and uh tommy gonna talk about some shit today um tonight because it's 10 o'clock um and i'm excited because i know tommy has a lot of uh great views on a lot of different things and uh this is gonna be a perfect episode but we're gonna start with quarantine because you were in new york which is a hot spot right now for for covid so kind of tell us what well, happened. was a hot spot well okay it was a hot spot um yeah, it's cool it's been cooling down for for the past month or so and everywhere else is well everywhere else heats up but well, yeah around the time when i was there it was really popping off yeah yeah so was that around april was when it started getting like oh shit what's happening um it was mar it was the beginning of march so um a little bit of background uh i work in uh, the film world in brooklyn um and my lease was kind of coming up in march and uh, I had like some jobs arranged in April. So I decided that I was going to kind of take March off anyway and just kind of like go visit friends and, and just get out of the city for a bit because, you know, it can be overwhelming, especially through the winter and everything. And, um, so I left a little bit before the end of March and, uh, ended up going back to work on a 
like a little short about Dr. Ruth. Are you familiar with Dr. Ruth? Um, no, I'm not. Who was that? So doc, Dr. Ruth is like, uh, she's an incredible woman. She's a Holocaust survivor. Oh shit. Um, and she, she's also a sex doctor. Oh, she's, she has a book sexology. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Every, everyone knows who she is. They just don't quite get it, you know, right off the bat. But, um, so I was like, ju- I jumped at that opportunity to go work on that because I thought it would be, you know, right as I was going up, it was like March 2nd and I was starting to get like a cold, like a really runny nose and a cough and everything. And, um, and coronavirus was starting to become serious all of a sudden. And I was like a little worried about it. So I, you know, carried around hand sanitizer with me and I felt bad because I was, uh, you know, this very old woman who's like, you know. Uh, a national treasure really uh and i was sick and i was just hoping to god that i wasn't going to give her coronavirus the whole time because kind of my job that whole day was just like hold her hand and help her around uh everything and she was just like the sweetest lady and uh but on that visit i noticed you know people started wearing masks and it just started getting a lot more serious and i just like so i pieced out and then you know whilst waiting on you know, uh, the quarantine started and we, you know, everybody thought it was just going to be a couple weeks to begin with. Uh, and then, you know, every mind to go back just fell through. Oh, so, damn, dude. Uh, but I'm fortunate. Yeah. I'm fortunate not to have been there during that time. I'd say like half of my friends that lived there stayed there. And, you know, I think that was really challenging for a lot of them. Yeah, and especially you being in the, just going back to you being in the film and creative industry, that took a huge hit. You know, I can only imagine how many freelancers and people who were working film and just anything of that nature, like how hard that hit them, like out of nowhere. So that's cool. That's not cool, but yeah, it's I, um, it's cool that you were able to get out of that situation, get out of New York. You know? I mean, the timing was really fortunate and i mean the thing is is that you know anyone who works in the film industry in new york knows that like december and january and february are like the slow season um so we were just coming out of the slow season and then bam it just shut everything down and it's still pretty much shut down i've only heard of like a couple things productions happening right now but it's just like you know a lot of these people haven't been working much for like six months you know Mm. um it's just uh yeah it's tough i i i definitely like empathize with a lot of them but uh yeah yeah i myself was was just a little more fortunate absolutely and you took some refuge in ohio um and you're with uh wasn't wasn't by choice though (laughs) yeah 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 not by choice but i mean you know it's cool you had somewhere safe to go that wasn't i guess too terribly far away um, so what have you been doing? Yeah. So what have you been doing there to keep saying and uh, you know keep your mind going? Well, I I ended up in Ohio. So long story short is that you know I haven't lived with my parents since high school. So like I haven't spent more than like two days at my parents' house since high school. And uh, wow, my mother, my mother, yeah, my mother moved back to Ohio six or seven years ago, maybe longer. And, uh, and, you know, I just, I've never really loved it up here. I grew up here a little bit as a kid. And so, you know, I just didn't really, haven't really spent that much time here, but when everything started going down, you know, I was fortunate. My parents were, 
willing to they had the space and were willing to like have me here and they have this this little farmhouse outside of columbus and it's it's actually really nice um the weather on the other hand you know constricting makes the whole uh mental health side of things uh, mm. a little more challenging i i mean I, i'm sure like a lot of people's experience right now is that the mental health their mental health is just you know been put to the test yeah over these past few months yeah, that's definitely the the biggest thing I've heard from friends, and especially people who are, I guess, very. I mean, did you do you feel like you had that happen to you? I mean, um, yes and no, because I'm back at work, so I've been out and social, you know, not necessarily by choice in that aspect. But I have gone. I go when I was furloughed from work. Um, I still went outside. How, how long? How long were you fur- furloughed for? So, car... Oh, damn it. I was going to say my but Anyways, I said anyway. So, where I work is CarMax. Um, <laughs> they closed the 18th of of March. Um, and they kept paying us until April 18th. And I te- That's rad. I technically didn't get furloughed until the 18th of April. So, and I wasn't furloughed for, you know, like maybe a week. And I got called back in. Right. So I was fortunate, even though the unemployment benefits right now are amazing. <laughs> if you live in North Carolina, yeah. it is, you know. Um, so, yeah. So I went for a little for too long. But I also, when I was when I was out of work, I went to the park and kind of kept my distance and all that. Because I can't, I'm not one to be inside. I just, I just can't do it. Um, right. You know, I got to have some fresh air, like, daily, if possible, you know. So, it, but I could totally. A lot of my friends, like my roommate now, she's uh, she's kind of paranoid and um, kind of immune compromised. So, I can tell it's weighing in on her and our friends who are very um, you know, they they don't want to go out because they're scared, but also their mental like their mental health is just they're just going kind of kind of crazy, you know, because they kind of right. they kind of feel trapped and kind of away from society and they have no clue when it's going to end. So I can only imagine how that feels uh, being in being in those shoes but i haven't felt terribly bad from it because i've kind of still been going outside and keeping my distance from people right i mean you you're not um diagnosed with any mental health issues are you i am not i mean man. if you feel sharing that i don't know if i had some i would definitely i think i would be definitely uh cool with sharing them but i have i have not been uh um diagnosed with any mental health issues um so i I don't know a lot about that, you know, that life, right. which is, I guess, in right. a way, fortunate in a way, you know, I don't, I don't know what those people who do have those issues are going through on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, yeah, yes. Yeah, so. I mean, everyone's experience is different, obviously, but, um, on a personal note, you know, I have, I've had anxiety, like, uh, pretty much my whole life, but really only been diagnosed since I was like 26 years old. And, uh, uh, that's when I really started having like frequent panic attacks and, you know, just struggling with it on a more daily basis, uh, where, you know, kind of constricted my lifestyle because, you know, I'm a very out and about person. Um, and it, you know, it gives you a little of that agoraphobia where you just don't want to, do things that might put you in a situation that makes you anxious. And, uh, but I, you know, I fought past it and, uh, you know, things were looking pretty good until, you know, I, I, I do have to, you know, honestly say that through the 
quarantine has been the biggest challenge mental health wise that I faced since, since that. And, uh, and I, you know, I attribute that a lot to, um, being in a place where I don't know anybody and cause I've always had like such a strong community, uh, or, around me and I've always mm. been fortunate in that way. Mm. Um, but being here, you know, with the weather keeping me inside so long and being, socially isolated more so than I'd ever been even more so than I think I would have been had I been in New York or, or in North Carolina. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's what I'm kind of in the middle of right now. And I think, uh, you know, tried to, I tried to cope with it a lot by, by playing a lot of video games mm. and, uh, which in some ways was fun. Like there's, you know, a four day stretch where I played red dead redemption for 14 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> yes. Uh, that game is 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 incredible. A phenomenal game. Uh, just like life change. Like there's certain TV shows I want to watch before again before I die. And there's like a just a couple video games. And Red Dead Redemption is like right up there. Of like if I was on my deathbed, I, I would probably play through it one last time. Because um, mm. it's just it's just so phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, th- you know, I try to keep myself busy with all those things, but. Uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not easy, but we're here. We are, you know, trying to work our way out of it. And uh, I've been trying to stay positive and you know do things that are helping me. But like getting out of the house generally, and like you know setting up the hammock or mm. you know doing outside work, stuff like that. You know, yeah, that's sick. Yeah, I know. Uh, I have yeah. rediscovered my passion for reading during quarantine which is a uh, very nice i'm very excited because a passion of mine also was going to see films i know every people who know me know that i'm in a movie theater i was in there probably if not two or three times a week <laughs> are you like a, I, do you like to go to movies alone oh my gosh tommy yes i love going alone shit. i love more than anything just going to a matinee by myself mm, dude i miss just loading it up candy and just sitting there dude i miss it so much it is is good man it's it's such a life-giving experience i think yeah yeah because i don't care about bars i don't care about i mean i used to go to restaurants a lot which is something i'm very happy that i stopped doing because i was addicted to fast food and um socially eating and i broke that like almost immediately when it started happening um but i I found myself. I love movie theaters, man. I love seeing films. I don't, almost didn't care about what the film actually even was. I just like going to see. Totally, it's like a movie. You see a two dollar theater and they're playing like you know the Independence Day sequel, and you're like, I didn't want to see this, but it's two dollars and it'll be enjoyable for you know what I mean? Like absolutely. Uh, I went and saw Daddy's Home like at one of those uh, two dollar theaters. <laughs> so. It was so much fun, man. I, you know, th- there's still room for those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I've I've replaced that with books, you know, over the past couple months, and it's been wonderful because all a book is is you're making a movie in your mind. That's what I mean to me, at least. Right. right. And so that's been great and exercising, and you know, I'm still photo. Well, I'm still working on a photo project that i've been shooting over the past couple of years so i had plenty to do with uh, creative stuff and learning video so i've kind of kept busy you know yeah i i uh have kind of been the opposite in that uh one i i 
love to read as a relaxation method, but when I'm already anxious, uh, it's hard for me to concentrate on a book. Mm. So like I was given a couple books, uh, right before quarantine, sorry, Dr. Ruth gave me her book and then, uh, a friend of mine gave me a book called white fragility, Mm. which I'm really excited to read, but I just haven't gotten uh, to it yet because, you know, um, sitting still isn't really like a strong point, strong suit of mine, you know, but, uh, and, and also, uh, photo photographing wise, I've just been like laying really low because, Mm. uh, having not worked in like three months, you, it is hard for me to, you know, want to spend the money to go out and do, do it. And, uh, yeah. Cause you shoot mostly. It feels like a bad. Yeah, I do. But, um, yeah, it feels like a shitty excuse, but uh, it is what it is. And I'll get back to it. Yeah. To it's, be, it's fine. To be honest, I mean, I shot my first sh- shoot last week, and it was for the nude series I'm doing. Um, that was the first shot. That was the first session I had all year. I took a long Was that break. the one you were just posting about, like, the past couple days? Yeah, well, not the one I posted. Well... I, I posted one on my Instagram recently of a girl I did a couple of years ago, but okay, no, I haven't posted this girl yet because um, it's an ongoing series, and I was like, I gotta get back shooting. I got I've I've not shot in uh, since January, so and I was ready to get back on the horse. So um, I'm slowly getting well, back into it. It's hard now because of obviously COVID, so I gotta be very careful um, with you know. Another another thing uh, that made it feel difficult for me to shoot is how like annoyed with other photographers I am, mm. just like hating their work. And uh, not you, uh, I want to be <laughs> clear on saying that. Like, uh, but just like seeing, uh, you know, I Daniel, you shoot kind of everything. You know, you shoot, uh, you, you know, uh, mm. familial stuff or. Uh, slice of life stuff, street, mm. landscape. N- you do the nude photography. You know, you keep everything compartmentalized, but you kind of do it all. Yeah. Um, there's no like one. There's no one um, thing that you do as like a gimmick. Right. And, uh, and and I just get really annoyed with the whole gimmick thing. It's just like you know, there's a lot of these phot- photographers that are just like, here are some boobs, like my photo on Instagram. <laughs> And then it's just like, that's what it is, like 800 pictures. And it's like, you know, uh, boobs are great. And uh, I, I just like, you know, per- personally, I'm just like, uh, <laughs> it feels more, it, it, it feels like they're doing it, you know, more for like uh, trying to get followers than it is for like making good content. And that uh, that's like frustrating to see. And it's like, it's kind of like leaves a bad taste in your mouth, makes me not want to like makes me want to avoid a lot of things because of that. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Um, just like avoid be doing that myself. I've been really, you know, itching to do, um, some, some, some projects, uh, which I won't go into detail about cause I want to, you know, unveil them on my own time. But yeah. like, yeah. um, so, so when, when they, when, when the opportunity arises, like I know exactly what I want to shoot and, and being more like project based is definitely like a new newer thing for me because I just used to just have a camera on me at all times and just you know whatever was happening was just what was being shot and you know uh, 
I think you, you know, there's an ebb and flow to the creative process. And, mm. you know, I think, I think that's just where I am is like, I've got to focus on this is, you know, a- aiming for something. Yeah. 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 Well, shit, dude. Uh, okay. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be great. Um, I always thought you put, you know, 100% into your work. So I know it's going to be beautiful when you uh, unveil that to the world. So, um, yeah. So other than that, you seem like you be, you seem like you're dealing with everything, you know, to the best of your abilities. So that's good to see. I mean, at 31 years old, I uh, I think that you know you've learned enough life lessons where you're just like, well, I've I've made it through some some shittier shit mm. than this, and it'll it'll be fine. You know, yeah. there were lengths of time in my 20s where I was just like destitute and poor, and like even uh, you know brief period where I lived in a tent on a friend's property. Yeah. you know, just like just doing that just to like get by until the next thing. And like, you know, you just, you develop this uh, mentality where you're just survive. It's a survival thing and you know, you're going to make it. Yeah. There's like no question. That's the attitude you got to have. Absolutely. It's crazy. Cause I'm not sure how your mom was, but my mom and grandparents and this dad and stuff, they were so unnerved. I feel like most people who are really panicking were the people who are out. Um, I guess because, I don't know, maybe it's because the, our parents went through 08 crisis or they've been through, you know, our grandparents, my grandparents been through, you know, she was born in the 1930s. So she's, right. she's seen a lot of shit. So when it comes to yeah. this, they were just kind of like, eh, we'll be all right. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. My, my grandmother, both my grand or all my grandparents were born pre-World War Two. Yeah. And, uh, they experienced a whole different level of, of, uh, of, of, poverty and and uh, uncertainty yeah. uh economically i think than, than we're facing right now and you know sh- as terrible as it all is you know uh i think that's good perspective to see is like people who are just like you know uh we've been through stuff as a, as a group before we we can we can get through this mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's nice but my mom my mom has been fine about it. it's weird my parents have been just a little too chill about it it's kind of annoying <laughs> it sounds about right <laughs> yeah, i don't know if that's an age gap or what but it's just for some reason the older the older generations is like ah <laughs> so yeah i'm like excuse me but while i get my world rocked over here <laughs> you got fucking chilling and i like like they just uh just well you know one of the nice things is that is that my both my parents smoke weed and it's nice to just like they they like to chill and and that has been nice to just like be able to be that level of chill with them um so uh you know i mean it's uh this is going to give us a different perspective for later in life when we have to face uh you know our own economic crisis of some kind absolutely which i mean i tell people this won't be good yeah, I mean, you you just know it's going to happen again in some way. Yeah, and it's what's really scary is kind of the after effect of COVID. You know, with the with the economy. You know, because a lot of places. Stunting of the economy. Do what? This like how the economy is like stunted by this. Oh yeah, like unprecedented down. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think of how people are going to change the way they spend money. 
Right. You know, so you know, I'd love to say that I believe that people are going to change the way they spend money, but I just, I just don't. I think the '08 crisis made a lot of these people, including myself, feel resilient towards this, and just mm. kind of thinking that we can spend our way through this. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, we just kind of like got to keep pouring the gasoline into the economy, and not that I agree with that as like a concept, but. I mean, that's just the way that, you know, that it works and how we kind of build everything back up. But yes. uh, it is scary. It is scary to think that, like, the next couple of years, could, we could still be feeling the aftershocks of this. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So um, that is probably the thing that scares me the most. Not, you know, compared to getting it is <laughs> more of the after effect of, you know, how is it going to be being freelancing? How is it going to be working in the film industry? Or how is it going to be opening a business that I want to own? You right. know, how's 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 all that going to? It's going to be sustainable. You know, um, Daniel, you're you're like what twenty nine years old? Yeah, I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. When do you turn thirty? Uh, thirty next February, February eighth. Heck yeah! So as a, as a twenty nine year old, I'm asking you this because like uh, you know, I just interesting interested to have perspective mm. on other people's feelings. How afraid? How afraid have you been of actually like catching, you know, coronavirus? Oh man, probably get, people probably mad at me to say this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have my worries, but I'm not too. I'm not too anxious or too scared, you know, of of getting the virus. To be honest with you, um, right? I have no reason no concrete reason of why but i know that i've returned to work i'm unfortunately i'm around people sometimes that i'm not able to socially distance because who where i work um i haven't gotten it yet right uh, i'm not saying i like I said, i'm not saying it's like i couldn't get it i'm not being careless either i'm not going into crowded areas or going to restaurants or right. going to beaches or anything I but getting it yeah. has not really been on my mind at all to be honest with you uh that's I, I feel like I, I must be weird because like, you know, I'm only, I'm only a couple of years older than you, but like, I'm sitting here like, like I would be that 31 year old that would straight up just die yeah. from coronavirus. <laughs> like, no, no, get me wrong. I, I've always been with, with, with these things, but like, for some reason it's just like, man, I don't want to be that, that, that one 31 year old with the, you know, on the front page of the New York times. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, this is not me saying that. I don't think younger people can get it by any means. It's just like the way my mind works. I feel like I'm being very safe of what I'm doing. Um, but I don't know there's cases out there to where people have been safe as hell and they've still gotten it, you know? So right. I'm not being naive at all. I'm just, this is to me. I'm just like, it hasn't been on my mind that I'm going to get it. It hasn't really been, it hasn't right. really scared me too much, but I'm also not being a dumbass. Right. Another another thing that's been on my mind is that you know while I was living in Brooklyn, still I I got sick like three times last year. Mm. Like last de- December, between November, December, and January, I was sick once each month. And you know, one of those times, I was like so sick I could barely breathe. Like it was terrible. Yeah. And I, you know, part of like I wonder if I just fucking already had it. You know what I mean? Uh, but Mm. That's like a weird kind of optimism in a way that I don't want to like uh, trick myself into having. 
Yeah, I've definitely heard that. Some people at work have said that they had these symptoms back in like January and stuff. So, I mean, right. maybe you had a strand of it, you know? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Maybe because I feel like this, I mean, all that happened here was a strand came over and just spread in a large group. Apparently, didn't they, pin, didn't they pinpoint it to a place where it kind of happened? Some kind of like, it wasn't like a, some kind of workshop summit kind of thing? I mean, there's been like multiple instances, like there, you know, in in each like uh, state that had like a like a more severe outbreak, they they like could pinpoint it to a certain event where there was a lot of people together. Yeah. Like in Winston Salem, there was a um, there was a a bunch of people that caught COVID from uh, going to what, what's it called? It's a church thing. It's a uh, revival. Right. They'd yeah. all gone to the after the quarantine had already started and didn't you know listen and you know they a bunch of them caught it luckily you know Winston-Salem hospitals weren't overwhelmed so you know uh, very few people have died there but uh, but yeah I think they even like tracked it back to like October like people like first US cases so Mm -hmm. I mean it's like it's hard to say I mean I think we'll be uh, we won't be finding out the whole truth about this for you know a decade or two uh, just like with nine eleven, it's just like yep. kind of fi- piecing it together years and years after. Do you think? Do you, and this is me, just curious of what you think. And I'm not sure if you're a conspiracy person or not, but do you think that this is put in place on purpose? <laughs> That's a really interesting question. Um, I tend, I tend to like really be critical of conspiratorial thinking and um i say that because there is the instinctual part of me i think like every human uh that wants to believe in it like ufos or wants to believe in like you know uh you know different conspiracy theories and and like the government having something to do with the AIDS crisis or something like that. And it's like, part of me is like, well, let me entertain this idea. Uh, and I genuinely, I genuinely come back always to the point of, uh, how inept people just generally are. Mm. Um, and especially when like government work, uh, when it, when it, the amount of people it would take to be on, be in on that conspiracy together and then not, none of them, you know, talk about it. Uh, would be you know unprecedented. People are bad at keeping secrets, yes. so yeah. I just don't. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, I think this is a bunch of carelessness, and um, you know, without without being racist, you know, I th- I do think China does bear some responsibility for the carelessness um, in letting this spread. Uh. With with their like you know with their animal markets and stuff that just had terrible, um, you know, health and safety, and uh, I you know those are breeding grounds for, yeah. you know, viruses and bacteria, and you just we we just got to learn as a culture to be more uh, conscious of, of of those things. Uh, yeah. yeah, but no, I don't think it was a, a conspiracy at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm with, like I said, I'm one of those people who have, I'm open to all ideas and open to all, um, just everything people have to say about everything. And I'm, what it comes down to is that we don't know. <laughs> so I'm just like, when, right. when someone throws me a conspiracy, I'm just like, oh, maybe. 
you know, because um, yeah. I really don't have a solid answer of yes or no, you know, because I don't have any facts. So, um, but just like how bad the like Trump administration is at doing anything, mm. just trying to imagine them purposely doing anything. Uh, I have been, I have been, you know, not not totally related to this, but I have been kind of like shocked. I, I won't say even kind of. I've been like completely shocked at the number of people that are just like, this isn't a big deal. We need to like really chill out about this. Like, mm. it's just really not a big deal. And uh, for, like a close friend of mine who, you know, I've been friends with since he was like 12 years old. You know, he's a friend's little brother. Uh, you know, uh, he commented on one of my posts about coronavirus and was just like, was just like uh, shitting on it, shitting on the quarantine and everything and saying that like, you know, most of the people that have died have been in hospice or cares, things like that. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter where they were, mm. it, you know, it's killing people regardless of who they are. They don't deserve to just like be carelessly uh, yeah. put in death sentence. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, so it's like, I don't even know how to respond to that shit. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what do you those people. Oh man. I think it's, um, I hate, I hate hearing that, you know, cause it makes it seem like, oh, since they were older, them dying is not that big Wasn't of a deal. Big. Right. And I'm just like, no dude, like that sucks. I mean, obviously their immune systems are already like, you know, going downhill and whatever. And that's what kind of people were saying is like, oh, they're on their way out anyways. I'm just like. Yeah, I'm like you. That's not the point. The point is that it's spreading. It's killing people. You know, just is right. is killing people right. who are living and breathing and right. trying to enjoy life. And the, the funny thing is, is that the people, <laughs> the people who are like, this is no big deal. You know, like the people who are dying are all older. Are the all lives matter people? It's like the same group mm. of people. They're pro life. All lives matter people, and then they're just like, you know what? Fuck them. We got to save the economy. Yeah, I want to get my hair done. No, it, just hearing that over and over again over the past couple of weeks has been outrageous oh, to me. Yeah, you know, yeah, and which is a great segue um, into the next part of this, and um, and it comes to because a lot of shit happening right now with uh, rebellions. Uh, there's been some racial injustice. Not to kind of switch topics, but this is a topic I definitely want to talk to you about because I know you have some things to say about it. And plus, I want to get your sure. perspective of being like a, a white a white man in America. So I want to hear what you have to say about this <laughs> stuff. Um, what I'm talking man. about is that. Can oh. I just say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but my <laughs> my perspective as a white man is just so so useless. But go go ahead. <laughs> no, no, but I know you have I know you have a good head on your shoulders, and then we're all going to talk about this stuff with you because I love you. Well, I appreciate. Um, so yeah. when I'm talking about the, what the protesters, so there were people who were protesting with guns. You know, I guess maybe these all lives matter people <laughs> over reopening <laughs> the economy, and right. nothing happened to any of them, which is right, which is so mind blowing. And what I'm getting, Daniel, into- it's it's even worse than you're describing it, though. So, like specifically speaking, like armed protesters. I don't even know if I want to call them protesters. Like I would prefer to call them domestic terrorists. Yes, yeah, so let's do with that. They're, 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 <laughs> They're feeding on fear, is what they're doing. Yeah. But they they literally they literally got to the door of the governor's office in Michigan, and with guns. Mm, yes. It's like <laughs> rifles. I'm actually like 
I'm actually like a pro Second Amendment uh, leftist, but which is fine. With that being said, I I don't think um, I don't think that people should be allowed to bring weapons onto government property at all. Like yeah, it, yeah. But the, the, these these people got fully away with it, and you watch the videos, and they're just like, there's lines of these white dudes they all have the same haircut and they're like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? the richard spencer fade yes and then and they're, <laughs> they're standing there their cops have their barricade with their uh what are those the shields the, held the up riot and shields. these guys are just pu- pushing into these riot mm. shields with no consequence and i'm like you put some college students in front of them or some black people in front of them and they're just going to start getting that baton baton out and start oh. giving, handing out brain damage. Like imagine a black or a person of color, any anyone that's not white is walking up to a police officer with their rifle strapped to their, to their, right. to their chest. They're getting shot. I mean... Well, you know what's great is that... Okay, so like... So I just... You know, as I said before, I'm pro Second Amendment, uh, leftist, and I and I think a big part of that, and the reason I, I came to that was because I think that the empowerment behind being able to legally own a weapon for people of color is uh, is is important, mm. and uh, it, you, being able to protect yourself and arm yourself is is important to those people more than anyone else. Yes. and I I think. That if we start, because I think gun control laws, and I, I think evidence would back this up, gun control laws generally uh, disproportionately affect people of color. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so all that being said, you know, there are like black militias around the U.S. and um, you know, I know that there aren't many, but it is a thing that is you know starting to happen, and, and you love to you love to see it, man. I mean. Uh, because because the you know you're putting the people in power in a position where they have to uh, show their show their prejudices. Mm. Yes, and you you cannot enforce law uh, with your prejudices, or you know the consequences are going to come. And I mean the concept the the chickens are coming home to roost right now. Mm, yes, dude, it's. Uh, so and which and the, the reason why I'm talking about this or we're talking about this is because the opposite, I guess they say the opposite is happening right now as um, you know Black Lives Matter and people of color and all that are rioting now for something that actually matters. <laughs> right. Um, we're right. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, because the, the 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 white people were like, I want to get my hair cut. You're infringing upon my freedoms, and then. The black people are like, you killed someone, like murdered someone, and for no reason. For no reason, and and we're talking about this George uh, George Floyd, who was uh, killed. Was it two days ago? So it was just two well, days ago. Now, yeah, two yeah, days, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two days ago, and um, what happened in uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Um, he was uh, allegedly. It was he, a bad check. Yes, it was a bad check. Was it? But it was alleged, right? I mean, it, 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 he never went to court, so it's always alleged okay, until yes. you know they have their day in court. We say innocent until proven guilty in this country, and Perfect. I'm not gonna, you know, sit Perfect. there and it, also let, let's just like for for fuck's sake, it just 
even if it was like true, even if he was guilty, it's like uh, I know people personally who have gone to jail for a bad check. It is not a something worth dying for. It's really not something you should kill somebody over for sure. Yeah, I mean, in front of the, uh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. And in front of yeah. in front of the video that went out everywhere, which I just watched a full video today, like the full video, because uh, I obviously I heard what happened before I watched the video, so was, I know it's no suck seeing it. So I finally did watch it for the sake of this interview. Um, terrible man. Um, there were four police officers, one with um, his knee just on his neck. Like I can only imagine that position. Like he's out screaming, like I can't breathe, blah blah, blah and all that, and just i want to i want to i just i it, I, I won't say it blows my mind because we've seen this happen a bunch of times hell like not even um less than a month ago we got video footage of you know um ahmad getting shot in broad daylight just taking a run you know so it's not like super surprising to me and then you got eric yeah, garner that, that's like shown our mind yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The whole, the, you know um which you know, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But that's that was a, a mod, that was a modern lynching, is what that was. Yes, yes, and, absolutely. But what these cops what these cops did, and you know, we're starting to find out more information about this cop. Um, he'd been involved in a couple other. He'd he killed a few other people at least. I heard about that in two thousand eight. Incidents, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just. I saw a post uh, that said, you know, if if there are 900 good cops and 100 bad cops, if the 900 good cops don't speak up against the 100 bad cops, then mm. there are no good cops. Yes. And that that's, you know, where that, the whole ACAB philosophy comes from. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you brought that up because I want to talk to you about that, actually, because I mean, I make this people who listen to the show. Um I know people who are cops, um, and I need. I want to bring some of them on the show. To be honest with you, just to talk about this, you know, to get. You know, I feel they're, they're, they're one of them. One of them is like I know we know the same person, former hardcore scene yes, guy. Yes, that that yes, uh, yeah. That yeah. came to mind, and I want to bring some. Seriously, I want to. I want to have controversy on this. Though I want to bring a cop on this show and just talk about like. What goes on with training, or what doesn't go on training, and like why is why right. do you, why do they think this is happening? But um, what I was getting to with all cops are bad, you know, with which is what ACAP stands for. You know, you have a very good point with that. And I actually saw a video of a cop on Instagram today who was talking about why that was such a terrible situation and how they handled it so bad because they were saying that you have four cops there, obviously four gets one. Who has the odds in that? Duh. Well, what do you expect him to do? Right. Also, I mean, go ahead. wearing all this, you've got lethal weapons. You're wearing like thousands of dollars worth of protective gear, and you're scared of one unarmed black guy, like who's handcuffed. <laughs> Listen, let's get our, he's, he's handcuffed on the ground, yeah. and he's saying, I, "Go ahead." The fragility, man. He's just like un un uh, un incredible fragility. Yeah. I can't even. Yes. Go, go on. Yes, yes. So, and that's the thing. And I'm watching a video, and it see, I, 
this uh, the, the people who were filming, which whoever filmed the video, I'm not sure who the source is, but shout to her. I think it was a, a, a woman who was filming. I'm glad she got that all on tape because obviously it sparked what's happening now, which needs to happen. But, um, yeah, just hearing I, there. I love, uh, that Will, I love that Will Smith quote that's been going around. It's like, this is, uh, I, I, first of all, I love that it's Will Smith because it's like fucking Will Smith. Yes. But like, he said, he said that this has been going on forever. We just haven't had cameras for forever to, to do it. You know, I'm Dude. totally putting that quote up. But, you know, yeah, it is a yeah. fact that we are just becoming aware to the level of how bad it is. Yes. I mean, yeah, think of how, And it made me go back to think of how many other incidents that there were no video or no um, evidence of that it has gone just just gone with the you know just with murder and nothing's happened you know that this that kind of breaks my heart dude because that just is this fucked up let me let me ask you a question yeah uh, so you know you're a person of color a black man and mm-hmm. you live in the south and you grew up in the south yeah uh when are you how do you generally feel about police when you get pulled over do you feel afraid do you feel any of that that's that's uh, that's funny you ask because I actually got pulled over. Luckily, I had people in a car with me, but I just got pulled over um, the other the other month uh, for um, speeding, whatever. But yes, the the to answer to your question, absolutely. Um, I can be walking down the street, mind my own business, and I pass cops, and it's like, oh fuck, you know, because anything can happen, you know. Um, but everywhere I go, man, I see him, and I'm absolutely the second guessing everything. It's like fuck, dude. Like, right? Any they could approach me and put any bullshit in the world, you know, on me, and you know, I could be fucked. You know, I could I could be getting out on, you know, and and dying and all that. So it definitely crossed my mind. And and going back to Ahmad, who was running, I run pretty much every day. Um, yeah, I know you're an avid runner. Yes, I run all the time. So that hit. That probably made me the most rattled because I am a runner and I am in, I mean, where I live now is, it's mostly a white neighborhood, but we're near like a very rich and white area of Greensboro. And I, and I kind of don't do it anymore because of the risk, but I generally love running at night, especially in the summertime because it's cooler outside. Um, Oh yeah. Running at night. It, It is. Yeah. I was cross country runner for years and, and and running at night during the summers is the best time and dude absolutely so but i've never had to do it as a black man though so exactly so now i pretty much if it's dark outside i won't do it you know and it and it sucks it's, right. it's come to that but that's just the world we live in man and then to answer your question it just it just yeah i mean absolutely i'm 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 terrified. It can be broad daylight. I'm, you know, on the highway, and one, one comes behind me. I'm just like, oh fuck! Like, okay, let me keep both my hands on the right. steering wheel, and you know, let me just, you know, be the best person I could be at that moment. You know, so um, yeah, dude, it sucks, man. I, let, like, right. Let me stop you right there and ask you another question. Uh, do you, I? You are you are uh, socially you're really good with people. Like yeah. that's generally known about you. Know, uh, and, and this this is kind of a sensitive question, but do you feel like when you get pulled over or put in a situation like that, do you feel like you have to like act more white? Yeah, it's like kind of turn on. Uh, there was an actual movie on that. Absolutely. Um, 
sorry to bother you, where it's like using your white voice. You know, it sucks. Which I have in my queue and haven't watched, but I need to. I highly suggest you watch that because that kind of pertains to this question. Um, yes. So in that, and also I work in a very kind of corporate environment anyways to where I deal with customers. So, right. you know, and I hate that it's called speaking white when it's just speaking. But in that case, I know for a fact. I, I'm just, I, sorry. I was just saying, I didn't mean to use the term speaking white. No, but I just mean like the, a lot of, I, I follow a lot of the, um, surrogates for for bernie's campaign like philip agnew and a lot of the like ray fisher and a lot of those people of color on in, on twitter that like you know uh just like you know dozens of those people and, and i generally get the idea that you know a lot of people feel a lot of those people feel that uh that they should al- be allowed to like you know be be, be their race without having to feel man I'm, I'm wording this poorly but without having to feel scared for for being who they are yeah no i know i i personally know what you're saying i didn't take any offense to you saying being white because what you're saying yeah. is and this is kind of hard to put into words too but i mean acting i guess some some people think there's a way that's just more presentable quote unquote you know when you're talking to certain right. people right, right, right. you know what i'm saying like yeah you know there's a bond it's like meeting girlfriend from high school kind of thing exactly you change the way you act exactly you change the way it's more proper yeah. quote unquote you know i'm not using right. slang words i'm not using i'm being very you know yes man man exactly you know and to answer right. your question yes you know um in those cases and you know i do that for the most part anyways you know that's just how i was you know anyways and i got picked on that for you know middle school a lot for for talking that way or whatever talking quote unquote because back in the day you know, people used to call it white. Black black people used to call it white. You know, talking white, whatever. But I've always kind of been that way, anyways. Right. And, and that, that has its own place in like culture as like a, a thing that like uh, there's like a lot of a lot of people who you know got you know get picked on for not being not speaking the same way exactly. in the in the same instance. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying yeah. it's like it's, it's just it's a weird social thing yeah it's a social and cultural thing that's really all it is but yeah and to go back to what you're saying his answer is yes you know like when i absolutely when i did get pulled over in that instance i absolutely was you know super i guess what's the word um uh proper i guess you could say you know um, right right yes right. yes did officer, you get no. out of the ticket um, unfortunately, I did not get out the ticket um, because I was going <laughs> way. I was going way over speed limit. I was no, there was no way. I, Jacob was in the car with me actually, and I was going like it was like over twenty over. And because I had crossed state lines, and we used to cross from Virginia to North Carolina, it changes from like a seventy to like a forty-five or a thirty-five. So I was just right. I wasn't in the wrong in that situation, you know. So I wasn't, you know. When I got a ticket, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But right, and and. Traffic tickets are one thing, but you know it's just interesting. It's interesting to hear your, you know, how it makes you feel in those situations. Because to be honest with you, is like uh, over the past decade, I've become painfully aware of my privilege and Mm. and being in situations where, like, I have to uh, interact with a police officer. I, I I generally just have a weird confidence about being able to get out of anything. Yeah, and like. 
like a couple years ago, uh, a couple friends and I were driving across the country, uh, and we were all white people, and we were cro- we we had to go through a border patrol um, station because they're allowed to put a border patrol station within 100 miles of the U.S. border, and they're allowed to stop and search your car without a warrant. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Little did they know is that we had a lot of pot in the car and some mushrooms and some acid. And, uh, you know, so so I'm going through Border Patrol and I'm like, I'm a little nervous, but I'm just at the same time, I'm like, I'm like, they're not going to stop me. They're, they're not going to stop me. And they didn't. And that's just the, the fact of the matter. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, police officers are prejudiced. And yes. That's the, the you know that's the crux of the issue, um, but you know sorry I got kind of lost in that but you know the the, the point being is like I kind of feel ashamed of of no of, of of being aware of it and still you know getting away with things just because you know I might be able to just you know talk my way out of it a little better you know I'm with because you, of my skin color yeah dude and the thing is dude will we tell what I tell white people all the time, because people do even today, like I have a few friends who were white, so who kind of just came to me and said if I was if I was good and just apologized and said love me. It's like, hey, dude, I appreciate that for sure, but don't be sorry for your privilege. I mean, that's just how it is, and it's not going anywhere. If anything, use that, right. use your privilege and your platform to bring right. awareness right. to that injustice, and you know, exactly. and put that out in the world because you have the privilege that you can do that. You know what I'm saying, and call out your other white I mean, friends. I think it's it's almost like if you have that privilege, it, it is your it is your duty to use it to uh, shed light on the injustice that, mm. that that is going on there. And uh, I, when I was in New York, uh, a film buddy of mine and I, who hadn't seen each other in a while, uh, ran into him at a bar, and he was just saying he was taking a break from film, and he was just like talking about how he's getting really active with his, uh, with, you know, w- activism. And, uh, and I, w- he got further into it and he's just like, yeah, you know, we've been ar- arrested a couple times and, you know, it's, it's like kind of our duty as like white dudes to, to like be the ones that are on the front lines because mm. society isn't going to punish us the same way. It's going to punish a black man for standing out there. And, it's just important you know we have to we have to be those people to stand up because uh and i'm trying to i'm trying to think of the quote uh it's either martin luther king i think when the when the good you know i'm talking about yes um but i'm trying to think of the words as well What, what, what was it what go ahead say it you're looking it up um i'm gonna I'm going to cheat real quick. Yes, cheat. This is a cheat break. We're going to find these quotes so we can... For people to succeed, all it needs is for good men to do nothing. Yes. And uh, and I, I think that I think that is, uh, you know, obviously the most succinct way to say uh, that the people that can... You know, if you consider yourself an ally at all, it is your, it's your responsibility. And I, you know, I've been really proud of a lot of the people uh, I've friends of mine and and people just acquaintances just speaking out about this and mm. because it really it, it does have an effect on the on the culture and the conversation overall it's like not hiding that you're 
disgusted with all this that's going on. Yeah, dude, and it's, it changes the whole landscape because if other white people who are not as informed with this stuff see other white people or people who are not black speaking of speaking of all this, they realize like, oh, this is this might be an important thing to to get educated on, and maybe I should join the movement. You know, that's you speaking on right. being white people being on the front lines, front lines. That right. is that's huge. Like that's that's a big right. deal. You know, and I know you were right. an avid Bernie Sanders fan. You know, he was marching with Martin Luther. Well, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I do want to like you know. Uh, say though that you know i i was not a bernie fan until probably december of last year Ah. i've always been such a i've always been such a pragmatist it was hard for me to come to terms with bernie's idea and that um that uh what we deserve can't you know okay so big thing in neoliberalism which is like you know barack obama joe biden yeah. hillary clinton people like that is is incrementalism it's like we're we're not going to do medicare for all what we're going to do is this other thing that helps a little bit and mm. then maybe we'll expand upon it and make it a little better and bernie sanders thing is no that is we need to do the whole thing we can't we can't do it in increments because there are people dying Mm. And we have to take care of them. Um, and one of his campaign circuits, uh, Nina Turner, who's one of my fa- all-time favorite people. And if anyone listening doesn't know who she is, uh, look up some videos. Like she, her speeches will literally bring tears to your eyes because she's just such a powerful orator. Um, she, you know, she she has this thing that she always says in her speech. She says, "That's not radical. That's right on time." And. Uh, The Daniel White Show is proudly sponsored by Lucky House MFG. Lucky House is an eco-friendly screen printing and design studio with over 10 years of experience in the industry. They offer high-quality custom printing services, including apparel printing, graphic design, promo goods, and embroidery. Visit www.luckyhousemfg.com to get a quote and to learn more. And I think I think that's where we stand right now with everything. It's like it's not radical to expect police officers to treat everyone the same, regardless of their skin color. You know, it's right on time. Mm. So I mean, I'm not like your Bernie bro, but I uh, for I haven't been that guy forever. I'm just like learning about it and learning about a lot of those things and trying to figure it out. But yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Was well, I know? It's, you know I am, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You finish that thought. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm just saying I'm a little worried, like, where, you know, Joe Biden's the candidate now, and, like, uh, there, you know, there, his campaign keeps saying that it's the most progressive, it would be, he would be the most progressive president in modern history, and it, while that would be true, it is, uh, it's disgusting that he, that Joe Biden would be the most progressive. <laughs> Dude, um, because, because literally the man has has not done good things for people of color through his career. And I don't want to keep electing people who had to have public support to do the right thing, mm. but just did the right thing anyway. Mm. And I think that's kind of what the rarity of Bernie Sanders was and is, is that he has 
tried to do the right thing throughout his whole life, regardless of the consequences. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Be it his political consequences or going to jail, you know, getting put in jail for marching with, you know, Dr. King. Exactly. So. Which was kind of came back to my point I was making. Like, people like that, that's a huge, that's a huge positive thing that someone who's white, you know, seeing that, if, if I was a white person, seeing someone like Bernie Sanders or, you know, some other people that I know doing that, that would kind of put a spark in my ass, you know? Um, right. So, and, and before we go off this topic, I actually found a few, um, a list that people who are not black, you know, can do to be a cool, be a great ally to, the, um, to, to Black Lives Matter. I'm going to read it right now. Okay. Absolutely. So it says, what you as a non-black person can do to support Black Lives Matter? A thread. <laughs> so, number one, you actually mentioned this book earlier. White fragility. White fragility. Yeah. yeah so it was this. A gift. Yes. Yeah. So that book has been going a lot. Has been going in circulation a lot over the past couple of days because apparently that's, I've never read it before, so I have no clue what that book is about. Um, but I'm going to add it to my list because it seems you know I'm not white, of course, but <laughs> I want to be educated. I want to. I want to see what's going on with it too. Um, but yeah, so it said. Um, yeah. So educate yourself. Number one, don't trust. Don't don't trust. Hold on. Let me read so I can read. Jesus Christ. Don't just go by what you heard your friend said, what you maybe saw on Twitter or TV, um, up with the movement, but read about it and go see why it was recreated. And, you know, um, it's super important to at least know something about what you want to support. Because I think there are some people out there who are supporting, but don't necessarily know why. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. They did. Which is, is okay, but you can do better, and it's your kind of your responsibility to, to do better. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything you want to bandwagon on, is this, but at the same time, it's like ah, you should just do some more research instead of doing it for you know, because a lot of people, a lot of it, in my opinion, is a lot of people do it for social media clout. You know, I, I've. It just, I I really like, hate I really hate to admit that I think that that's true as well because it's kind of like. I see that a lot in the conservative side of things and now also in the liberal side of things where people are definitely like, you know, political only when it gives them clout. And, and, and I'm, I've been, I've always been so political that, uh, people get annoyed with me talking two years into Donald Trump's presidency when I'm still like posting, you know, articles and like things of outrage, you know, you, it went from like 50 people getting me likes to like to two. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to post it anyway, because mm. I don't care. This isn't about my, my brand or whatever. It's, it's about like, like, fuck this, what's going on. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I can definitely see people only jumping on when it's like the big thing happening in the moment. And it's like, yeah, you can do better than that. Yeah, but yeah, and, the, and it's so evident when it happens because those are people where it happens, you march, you do whatever for maybe a couple of days, and then it's kind of out of your mind, you know. And because I know some people who are not who are not black speak on this stuff all the time, you know, this right. constantly, you know, because right. a lot of incident, right. there's a lot of incidents that go on that don't get covered in the news like it has, you know, with. Um, George and Ahmad is, you know, so people who are just kind of always on it, but you have people who are on it just, you know, just for the clout. And if you're that person, kind of, you know, let's change that. You know, it's great that you're doing it right now. That's awesome. Go, you know, go for you. 
but you know there's it goes deeper than that which goes to the next sure. point number two is kind of recognize your privilege which you talked about earlier which i'm happy you did because you seem to you know you seem to be a uh woke as they say <laughs> when it comes to your <laughs> i'm just playing man i, I hate that <laughs> i hate that word so freaking much dude oh yeah uh, it, it's, it's like yourself an artist it's like you never want to be the person who calls themselves something you know like you know you let other people call you it but you don't yeah it's just like don't yeah i say that i said it's a joke i'm not calling somebody because i that's I, no, I, no. I i hate that word um but, you but say Go ahead. On, on that on that point though it's like recognizing your privilege isn't like a one-time thing of taking stock in it and going okay i'm privileged it's like ongoing yes Yes, absolutely. And she actually says you don't necessarily have to be white for this one. Uh, this privilege does not mean you don't face problems, including racism. It just means that the chances of you getting you murdered, or a citizen of the U.S., or just any you know any non-disenfranchised group. Mm, yes, exactly, exactly. So if you are if you're a white, just recognize that privilege and just yeah, just use it to the advantage of of of, of everyone. Um, Let's see. So use your voice. Help raise awareness by talking about this issue and use your platforms to do so. I'm using hashtags and share posts, you know, which have been people have been doing all, you know, part for the past week, which has been amazing. I'm seeing all the hashtags for just even a mod and um, even back in the day with Garner and just all that, you know, that's helping kind of Trevor Martin was a humongous one, which, God, that still fucking sucks, dude. Still Um, hurts my heart. Dude, just... I mean, wasn't that the, was that one of the first ones that kind of really pushed? I it was that in um, what was the other town that was having like all the the the, pro, the issues? Mike uh, Brown, Ferguson, Ferguson, Mike Brown, yeah, yes. In, in in Ferguson goes so much deeper than just what happened during that time frame. In that, like a lot of those um, outspoken black men who. Uh, were killed mm. um, by police mm. after that and received no press coverage or little to no press coverage. And it was literally just like, a, Oh, he died with meeting up with a drug dealer. And it's like, no, he fucking didn't. Yeah. Like no one, no drug dealers killing you over some weed. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Come on people. Come on. Yeah. I don't trust these cops, but dude, absolutely. I'm with it. And uh, you know, it, and it before we go to the next points, it sucks to not to not trust an individual who's supposed to be there for your protection. That is what really hurts. I think that's that's where it just that's where you just lose trust in like people who hate the government, you know. And you know, it just starts, right. you know, in this because the police officer is there to protect you, but to see them doing the opposite is what really fucking sucks. So, right, right, yeah. Do yeah. you feel safer with black cops? To be honest, I would, yes, but I do know that sometimes in these situations, black cops are around. Right. And but, other people, police officers that are people of color. Exactly. I'm pretty positive, and I could be wrong, that in the video with George Floyd, the cop that is standing in... The, he's, of, he's Asian. He's Asian. Yes, he's Asian. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like... Right. What the fuck? Are you serious? Right. You know? So just I think 
You know, I, that's always like super confused me. Is like why so, certain like people of color join that that side of things. Um, and and uh, I I read some article about how it, it, and I think it was an Indian woman who posted something on Twitter about how a lot of like her family was like racist against like uh, like poor Indian people that had lived in the U.S. and mm. stuff like that. Wow. And, you know, I I don't I don't mean to just. Be, you know, pull this out of out of thin air and not appropriate it correctly. But you know, in just saying that that the the general belief is like they want to assimilate so badly that they want other they want to the 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 status quo to feel like they're an ally of them to, for them to feel safer. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That I mean, there's a lot of people call it whitewashing, um, kind of like a brainwash but whitewash. Um, right, right. I guess if you're that environment for so long, I guess maybe. I don't. I don't know how that happens. To be honest with you, because you know, I think, um, and yeah, NWA has a song about this about you know black cops, you know, trying to which which oh black black cops showing up for the white for, cops exactly. You know, there's yeah, you know, and I think there's a there's truth to that those lyrics. You know, because when you see those, right. I, see, I see videos of you know injustice happening and black cops around. It's like, well, what the fuck is going on here? But you know. But you also, you, you got to, like, personally, I don't know. I put myself in the shoes of that black cop and, like, you know, if you're a black cop in the LAPD, you know, you might be, like, I mean, at least 20 years ago, you would have been, like, 5% of the force is black. Mm. And if you, if, you, if you don't back up the white cops, they're going to make your life a living hell. Yeah. So it's just, like, it's a, another form of injustice to, done to them at the same time. Not saying that they're not also wrong in ways, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because I mean, you, you you have heard around where like a black cop will out some white officers for doing something that's you know fucked up, and them getting threats or kicked off the force or whatever. So that that is right. that is definitely a thing. So I'm not saying I understand. I mean, they, they stick up, stick up for each other. That's kind of the whole reason they're we're in the situation that they're that we're in is that you know they're they're not willing to change their culture um, at all. They're not willing to budge and. It's going to take us forcing them to do that for it to happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, um, well, I guess hopefully that stops happening. If Black Hawks are doing that or involved in that, and they kind of speak up and do whatever and just, you know, because, I mean, they're having having that aid is going to be such a big help. And not even the black cops, I guess. I mean, cops of all, you know, it pretty much non-white cops. We'll start doing their part in this too, and you know, I don't know if you're gonna be able to transform the A cab mentality, but you know, you can at least try to help the situations that's you know at hand. Because um, right. my thoughts on this, like I said, some people might bash me for saying this. I don't, you know, like you said, for the hundred bad, you know, the hundred good cops versus a hundred bad cops. You know, if hundred bad good cops don't say anything, then you know, all cops are bad for sure. But like I said, I don't think every cop out there is out to fucking kill black people. You know, that's not even what I don't necessarily what a cap necessarily means. I know for some people it does. Um, I, 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 I'm a, I'm gonna maybe disagree with you a little bit, and I think I know of like the people I grew up with. You know, maybe four or five people that became cops, and and I I think that at least four out of five signed up to beat the shit out of a black person. Yeah. Like the, yeah. I don't mean I don't mean to be so crass. Oh about no, it, but I, no! I, speak I, your mind. I, I, genu- I genuinely think that like there's some hero mech- hero 
um, idea in their head where they're uh, they want to be the one out there just like literally you know handing out beatings for uh, people getting out of line. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. I don't trust it. Even, even people I was friends with, I, I don't think I can continue those those friendships in the same way. Yeah, yeah, I, and yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. And you know, like I said, what I said can make people mad, but I'm also like the one that's telling you earlier that I don't. I get also get very nervous around white cops. You know, <laughs> and this is right, that's just right. the truth. But and. Because I say that because I know a few black cops, obviously, who aren't going into it to kill black people. But, right. you know, what happens over time when, you know, maybe what's taught in the, I don't know, what do you, what do you call their, their, I guess, taught in their classics or training. I'm not sure if they're <clears throat> taught to, you know, treat people in certain communities differently it is in a you know very indirect and sort of ways i'm not sure what happens to where that happens in the force i wish that's why i want to talk to a cop here and actually like dig into what they learn in those trainings you know right. and kind of right. why this happens so um but obviously a lot of this comes from people just being fucking racist before they go in there you know what i'm saying so you know going in there right. going into the academy or whatever you know, go ahead well, I was going to say is that the sheriff departments in the South have a deeply rooted history um, in in their beginnings being for tracking down escaped slaves. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, there is an inbred uh, racism that goes back a century in in those in those forces, and uh, and I you know I don't know what the solution is, but I I just. People, I don't think people are aware of how, just how ingrained in that culture, the racial bias is. Mm. Um, mm. It just, it just goes, it just goes so far back and so deep, and um, it's, it's just a terrible culture. And I mean, uh, what's happening in Minnesota right now is, is, is a fair backlash to, to that. Yeah, because those people were getting tear gassed and hit in the face with batons because they're protesting. And it's like, you know, the response to that is like, you're going to kill us. You're going to beat us. And I don't think it's unfair to just start burning shit to the ground because of that. And there's like a lot of the, you know, conservative response to that is like, they're destroying property and wrecking their own community. It's like fucking target is not community. No, it's not like a, a, the Wendy's and the Target and the AutoZone and the you know the apartments that, that that were under construction those aren't that's not their community those are capitalist uh, you know mm. fucking uh, things that just like don't matter at all uh, where where it's like you know someone actually died yes it, it just uh, this is retaliation obviously is, like, yeah this is this is you know, because a lot of black people, including me and everyone, and even some white people, where everyone, they're, 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 we're entering a breaking point to where this is is what's going to happen. Because a lot of, you know, we've tried the piece for protesting. You know, we tried that, that we tried nailing, right. you know, um, going back to um, guys blinking on his name, um, pool player. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Ka- Kaepernick. We, no, we tried that. That was a piece of that was 
and white people listening to this who have a problem with protesting now, that was a peaceful protest. <laughs> that was what he was trying to accomplish there, and that didn't work. So, yeah, people were taking that shit into their own hands. And, yes, they're being violent. And, yes, they're getting fucking angry because this is what it takes for y'all to fucking hear what we're saying. You know, so. Right. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the whole Kaepernick thing is still crazy to me because, you know, like, I really love what Dave Chappelle said about him. Mm. I don't know if you remember this. I don't. Especially said, we we should pay him to never play football again. <laughs> because, get, cause, like, li- like he, he, he made an amazing point. And I actually just found out that Dave Chappelle lives, like, 15 minutes away from where I'm staying right now. Oh, but, yeah, like, he does live there. Uh, he lives in rural Ohio, and like people have, you know, stories about him, whatever. But he said, you know, he said this is a man who had a whole career for him. Just he could have just kept playing football and made millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and just not spoken up. And he gave it all up just to like, you know, to 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 speak out. And uh, people who are people like that shouldn't have to go fucking go back to the NFL and work for and earn their money you know what i mean uh so mm. you know dave should dave Chappelle once again finger on the pulse but um there's actually like a, a a malcolm x quote i wanted to i wanted to bring up because i've always been like a huge fan of malcolm x please, i think please. he has um i took i took a i took a class in college a religious studies class where um you know, I did a project on him. I ended up reading his biography and amazing, the movie by the way. Watching old, yeah, the book and the movie, both great. Um, Spike Lee joint. Um, but it, it, this uh, this quote is: uh, "We are nonviolent with people who are nonviolent with us." Yes. Uh, concerning nonviolence, it is criminal not. To, it's criminal to teach a man to not defend himself when he is the the constant victim of brutal attacks. And I and I think that's, you know, the kind of militance that is uh, appropriate for for the p- place and time we are right now. It's crazy how it's like I feel like history hasn't it's we haven't progressed even because that's those readings are still so relevant <laughs> in 2020. Like I mean, it's it hasn't even been that long when you think about it, but but at the same time, it's yeah. like it should have been long. So what was that? He was Michael Metz. That was around nineteen. Was that in the sixties? Yeah, sixties. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're right. It hasn't it hasn't been like a super long time at all. You're right. You're absolutely right. But you would think there would be some progression, but it's just like golly, man. Right. Yeah. I mean. uh I think the reason there a big reason there hasn't been a lot of progression is because of uh, the fact that there are people profiting off of our divide. Mm. Uh, mm. And, and by profiting, I don't necessarily mean monetarily, and I don't mean it's not monetary, but I, I think that when it comes to Democrats versus Republicans over the past 60 years, you know, Obviously, Republicans don't use overt racism as much as they once did, uh, and it's mostly just dog whistling now. But you know, it is still 
and it remained the entire time a part of their uh, electability is that they, you know, the war on drugs in the 80s and, you know, being tough on crime in the 90s. Mm. And, uh, it just, uh, they, they uh, mandatory minimums, you know, they, they, they push these things that punish black people mm. and uh, vote for that. And they, they purposely divide us over it. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I'm probably preaching to the choir, you know, to you and to anyone who's listening probably, you know, knows as much or more about it as I do. But it, it is just, uh, when you sit and think about it for, for more than five minutes, you get really frustrated. Mm, and, yeah. um, I mean, that's why we're, we're sitting where we are, where it's like, well, we don't have a fucking solution. Just let's burn a target down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's. It's you know it's I just hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. it's come to this but and the thing is is it's gonna probably get worse it's gonna happen again you know that and that is that is that that just breaks me and it could be one of my friends next time that's what that's what I think about all the time right it could be someone I know it could be someone right in Greensboro you know um, right yeah yeah it's just it's fucking heartbreaking but I mean there are people in Greensboro um. Yeah, what? Did you see that video? There's a video of a oh. dude who was waiting for his on her front porch, and and the cop arrested him for being out there, and was like, you know, pretty brutal about it. And uh, you know, he's a he's a person of color, and it's just like, you know, these things happen all, are, are happening really close to us, and it could, yeah, you're right, it could very well be of yeah. yours or a family or even, yeah. And I mean, absolutely, the tragedy of. Trayvon Martin or um, Ahmad, uh, what's what's Ahmad's last name? Um, Ahmad. Um, gosh, I start with a freaking A too. Um, hold on, I got to cheat. I got. I want. I want to make sure we get his name correct. Let's see. Ahmad Aubrey. Ahmad Aubrey. Ahmad. Ahmad. Yeah, yeah. The, the the tragedy of those things it already hurts so much without them even being without even knowing them. And exactly. uh, like I can only imagine knowing know what, who that was, like personally, like if he was my my brother or my my one of my best friends. Like I can only imagine the impact that has. Right. Uh, just you know, obviously, like some sometimes in these situations, like the. Um, the, the the family members of these people end up being the best activists of it, but they had to, you know, experience that trauma, and it's just, no one should have to experience that trauma if we can help it, and I, I mean, you know, I, I'll finish my thoughts on, on this in saying that uh, it comes down to empathy, and I, th- I think that, like, uh, children, we, we teach children empathy, and then somewhere along the way, uh, people. Some people lose their their empathy for for other people and their and strangers, especially. And yes. and I think that whether you're a Republican or Democrat or socialist or whatever, you know, if you're basing your ideas and and empathy and love, and I I you know I feel like we're kin in that. And but the the people who aren't are the people that are out there, you know, absolutely killing people and yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. You, you, it's empathy, you know, and that's why I think a lot of cops go through 
you know, just with their, I don't know, with, through their time in the force. Is that that happens, and it made me think of the movie. Have you seen Crash? I uh, not in like a long time, okay. but I know the movie. Yeah, so yeah. that pretty much happened in that movie where it was a cop who was gen- for the most part he was a good dude, and shit just started happening to him to where that happened, and he ended up killing an unarmed, unarmed um, black man in his car. Um, that happened throughout right. this kind of over the course of the movie, and I think that's I mean not obviously just the cops. But Who was the black guy? Was it was it Don Cheadle yeah, in that yeah. movie? Don Cheadle was he he didn't get killed, but he was in that movie. Yeah, yeah. So, and right. that's a f- fucking fantastic movie. If you uh, people, everyone it listening, is, it is an incredible movie. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 in on a similar subject is that um, you know the Amy Cooper thing, which we haven't talked about at all. Yeah, you know, the white woman who uh, who made the phone call to the police where she was feigning um, hysterics over the phone mm. and. You know, using dog whistle uh, terminology to try to ruin this black man's life, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean the tables got turned for her, obviously. But uh, yes, she got you know, it. Very well could have, very well could have not turned out that way. But you know, I'm not going to claim credit for this. But I saw someone posted the clip of the girl from Allison. What's her name? Allison. Um. Fuck. Uh, the girl from Get Out. Uh, the white woman from Get Out. Yes, who, yes. There's a scene where she calls the police, and she has the complete straight face, but she sounds like she's, uh, she's in she like sounds like she's on duress. Yes, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, that's like, that's crazy. Obviously, that wasn't made up out of thin air. You know oh, what I mean? No, that's been a thing. And the thing is, if that video hasn't if that video if that video didn't exist that could have been a totally different story for that guy you know and exactly that and that's a big that was a big thing about especially with the, with the fucking NYPD oh yeah they would have found him and he would have been done you know maybe not necessarily he would have yeah. killed but he probably definitely would have got taken to jail absolutely but um, i mean even during during quarantine, they were treating the black communities and the Latino communities different than they were treating the white communities when they found them breaking quarantine. Yes. I mean, that's like, the NYPD still has a problem. Uh, there's like huge problems. So, Dude, that's great. I heard about that actually up in New York about um, people. Well, it happened to specific people up in, uh, in New York breaking quarantine. That's fucking crazy. Jesus Christ! And to, to go back to another point you made, if you have not if you not, if you have not read Malcolm X's autobiography, it's it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> it, it absolutely he okay. So here is my obsession with Malcolm X: is that so? I'm an atheist uh, who grew up Christian and mm-hmm. knows nothing about Muslim culture. Okay, uh, and. He, I mean, Malcolm X was a member of the Nation of Islam, which is kind of di- kind of entirely separate from uh, Islam in a lot of ways, but is is very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, but Malcolm X's story is so interesting in that he was a perfect product of his environment, in that he was this kind of like orphaned child mm. turned to crime because it was his only option to make money yep. or to do. You know, that's like people don't do crime most of the time because it's fun. They do it because it's like their only option to economically Survival. get what they need. 
And especially, yeah, especially when, yeah, when Malcolm X's teachers are telling him, like, he's a black man, he could barely be a janitor, yep. you know? So it's like, you know, you tell a guy he's he can barely be a janitor, it's like, fuck that. You know, I'm just going to rob people and uh, make more money. So mm. he was a criminal before he was ever the Malcolm X that we knew, you know? Uh, and, you know, he when he was in jail, he, he you know, he met... Uh, Man, I wish I, it has been so long since I read it. But he, you know, he he learned uh, he he read the Quran mm-hmm. and, and learned all about it and decided to really like change his ways. And what I like about it, because I'm not typically like um, pro religion in any way. What I like about it is his, his entire his entire uh, um, evolution in this way was about self improvement yes. and self empowerment. Yes, and he became a better person for himself and for his community and for his family. Not, not for just, not just for like self, uh, you know, for clout as we would say now, but like he, he did it for the right reasons and he really evolved and, you know, without Malcolm X or without Martin Luther King, you know, they both had to exist, uh, for, for the things to, for the civil rights movement to happen. And, uh, in general, that and 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 my favorite, my most favorite part is that you know you kind of get this feeling, and I don't know if you felt this way, but like throughout the biographies that you know Malcolm X definitely had a prejudice toward against white people, like for sure. Yes, he did. And like you don't blame, you can't blame the guy. He's like he didn't even want white people helping them. Yep. Uh, in their movement, uh, which like. At the same time, I think it's kind of badass. It's just being like, no, fuck you. We can do this ourselves. Uh, but he like, you know, one of the last things he did was he, he went to um, Mecca for a pilgrimage. And uh, he said he prayed next to like people of every color. And he realized like, you know, it really like opened his eyes towards empathy. And that's when he was like starting to really see disagreements with the uh, nation of Islam and, and everything. And, you know, he continued, just continued to evolve and want better for people. And like, uh, just a great guy, just really, I aspire to, to like, you know, try to at least follow that path of self-improvement. And it's cool. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. And it's cool how empathy worked the opposite way with him you know um well it's weird because not to dive into this book which i love this book and i love that you've read it because at first because i remember he used used to be a pimp he did crime rob people um and at that time he actually was had romantic relationships with people who weren't black right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it's weird go ahead but isn't that also like uh, another uh, thing where like th- there are racist white men that date black women? Yeah, like it's it's a thing. Where you ignore it, like it, it's like you ignore that, uh, not ignore it, but it's like a c- certain power over them mm. in a way. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I personally kind of like, and I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing. I think Malcolm X was a good-looking dude who could get what he wanted and uh, dated white women when he wanted because. Like fuck the culture, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, but that's a, that's a whole different subject though. Michael Mass is it was it's, it's crazy, and I love how you said earlier about because I think we the reason why we kind of look up to these older figures because you mentioned the clout thing. There was no clout 
chasing back then. I guess not on the stature it is now. There was no social media. There was nothing to post. You just kind of did it. Right, we, like we, specifically just for politicians back then at the time. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you weren't worried about. It's like everyone fucking brand. Yes. So they're all chasing their cloud. Yeah. So these figures back then were like the real deal. You know. Um, yeah. And it's hard to find a real deal these days. Because you don't know what people, what kind of agenda people are on. So that's kind of the difference between, you know, then and now as far as these bigger activist type figures. Right. Um, on that on that note, like, I, I just want to suggest to you and anyone who may not know these people, but Phil Bagnew and Ray Fisher were both surrogates for the Bernie campaign. Mm. And I think they're the most, like, I just, like, want to listen to everything that they have to say uh, because it's so... Uh, it's such good perspective and and good activism and and everything. But if you, if you don't know, follow them on Twitter or something. Yes, because uh, they're great. But um, to wrap up the Malcolm X stuff, it's just uh, he deserves a holiday just as much as Martin Luther King does. Yes, uh, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think people. I, do, are, I just. I don't. Sorry. Go ahead. I think people. The reason why he doesn't is because he was an advocate for fighting violence with violence right that's why people yeah people don't necessarily well he wasn't yeah exactly he was he's an advocate for defending himself yes defending right? not so he saying like, yes there's that famous picture of him with an uh, with an automatic rifle sitting in his window you know he's he literally was murdered i mean like yeah he literally was murdered yeah. but we don't know by who specifically there's lots of theories but like there's that picture of him by the window with an assault rifle and you're just like this is a man that, that scared white people. Mm. And I think that's a good, <laughs> because it's like, this man's just not going to stand down for your, for you trying to step all over him or his people's rights. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which, you know, I agree with, but of course, you know, America as a whole is not about that life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, last two points from this uh, set of things that people who are, want to be allies that are not black can do um it's just sign petitions and just donate to different organizations which there's a bajillion again do your research on organizations and before you give them your money but there's so many out there that you, you can donate any, to do what did you see any good ones right now that you specifically recommend um to be honest my friend alan put out these shirts that um for justice for um um from george floyd that um he's gonna donate all the money to their families or to to his family directly but i can put a link in the description of this that has some because there's someone to list um right here so if i can find some actually give me one second why is it not working you know what i'll get that i'll get that on there but there's definitely there's there's so many um the black lives that matter is one that you can donate to um absolutely which is kind of i guess more of a, a duh but um yeah i'll find some and i'll just throw them in there because I, I saw some earlier but there's so there's there's literally so many but uh you know it's 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 hard to know which ones are the good ones and uh you know but it is important to do yes yes absolutely and also the petitions the petitions are take usually seconds to sign and put out um to be honest with you i don't know how effective those petitions are do you have any light on that at all um I'm generally in the camp of uh, petitions are worthless, but because so, you know, uh, I think it was Obama who uh, 
who started change.gov, which was like, if, if a petition gets so many signatures, then the White House has to respond to it. That was kind of the, um, the idea of that. And, and the Trump administration has completely ignored that and not responded to things. And, you know, but I think there's no, there's no, uh, point in not doing it because it doesn't hurt and it can only help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah. And, you, and your name is worth something. Putting your name on something like that is, is worth doing and like publicly uh, putting that out there and showing your, even your family that m- might disagree with you. Yes. So, so if you see that, do that. And before you donate, just do your research for you. Just put your money somewhere random. Um, but yeah, so at the end of that, you know, to bring that to a close, Black Lives, Ma- Black Lives Do Matter. And if you don't believe that, you can get the fuck away from us. <laughs> no, uh, my favorite sign from Minneapolis yesterday was uh, "No lives matter till Black Lives Matter." Yes, which is the fucking truth, and I've actually seen that a lot. You know, even kind of before this, and yeah. it's so and it's so true. Yeah. So cool. So obviously, keep your mind aware of that stuff because it's happening every day, happens all the time. And you know, if you're not black, use your privilege to um, bring awareness and bring some positivity into the world. Um, and shed light on these incidents because it's, uh, it's, it's it's something that's probably not going to end anytime soon, to be honest. So, um, yeah, so moving on, we're going to talk about some Trump because he's an idiot. And I know that's Tommy's favorite <laughs> guy. <laughs> and in, oh in, in particular, I want to talk about what recently has happened, which today he signed. He actually signed the executive order. <laughs> and I got to read this to you guys who don't. Who not sure what's going on? Because <laughs> this is absolutely—I think this is hilarious. Let's see. I had it up on my screen, but it freaking went away. Okay, signs. So I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did see it, Tommy. But um, basically, Twitter um, started doing a fact-checking link. Was it on his um his Twitter account? Let's see. Do you see this, Tommy? Yeah, the um, they 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 did it one time. They uh, they they because Donald Trump's been pushing a conspiracy theory about an intern uh, that worked for Joe Scarborough uh, of MSNBC who who died, and he's been pushing a conspiracy theory that they were murdered uh, against the wishes of the family of that person. And um, you know, I don't know all the details about, it, so I won't go into it. But but I just know that that uh, you know he's been not using. Uh, a lot of facts in it and uh, Twitter decided to label it uh, and uh, provide a uh, link to like do some fact checking yourself and uh, it, it really uh, it pissed him off yes yes so but I, also, I also think he's trying to change the conversation away from coronavirus I, I, I genuinely think that yeah and it's oh god so to, to, to tell people what actually happened so today trump signed executive order um aimed at increasing the ability of the government to regulate social media platforms trying to control us even more um a marked escalation of his lengthy feud with silicon valley over allegations of anti-conservative biases so insane and i'm not sure how he could even do you think he do you think he'll get away with that do you think that could go into an actual thing if them having a control over social media platforms from what i've read is that 
this is my understanding is that uh, he is saying that they're infringing upon his free speech and uh, the actual legal argument is that uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, et cetera, et cetera, are private companies and it's not protected under free speech. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, um, he has like no standing to, um, to do anything uh, about it. And, and from what I understand is that the executive order is, is largely ceremonial and, uh, not actually, uh, won't actually have any effect of any kind. Yeah. That just seems so far fetched to me that he can just change the whole field on social media. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think what, I think what kind of caused this, because you mentioned the thing with the, I think coronavirus, but he also something about the melon orders or melon votes for, um, I guess the election. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's where I saw it on. And I thought that was, cause apparently what he was saying was not true. Well, he has been pushing the idea that, um, mail-in voting leads to fraud. Um, which is categorically false. And there's no evidence behind that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the the weirdest thing about it is that is that all the data points to that uh, points that uh, mail in voting actually benefits Republicans more than Democrats. Uh, so it, it is interesting to me that they've taken such a strong stance against it, but I do think that it is partially because of the possibility of a, of another quarantine. If it just so happens to coincide with election day, uh, they don't want people to be able to mail in their votes. Um, instead of going to the polls and um, you know it's just a another uh, fucking uh, you know uh, example of voter disenfranchise uh, them disenfranchising voters once again and uh, you know it's just funny because uh, he 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 votes votes by mail uh, himself exactly and his press sec- his press secretary votes by mail as well and uh shit i vote by mail it's just the penalties of uh a voter fraud are too large for and uh, for for the the risk is is way higher than the reward mm. yes. because i mean like imagine you know you steal someone's like uh, one of the points they made was like they could co- make copies of, of ballots and send them in or uh, steal them out of people's mailboxes and forge them and send them in. And it's like, yeah, you, like you could do that for like two or three votes or something like, imagine like one person, like how big of an effect are they going to have on an election doing that and make taking that risk is risking like, you know, it's a federal crime. So, I mean, it's like, it would not be worth it because, you know, even if you did like 150 votes, it would still not change the outcome of an election. Uh, so it's obviously just, completely done to disenfranchise people once again and you know i'm I'm at a point i'm at a point with trump where i'm just like kind of you know ignoring him mostly uh yes because i think we're in the death rattle at this point as much as i hate joe biden i i do think that uh you know he'll he will he will win and uh it just the question is of uh what what's what are the circumstances going to be in november to january um are he is he going to let the election results be certified and so forth? Absolutely. So, do you? Oh, guys, and I'm what I'm really scared about 
is that when it comes down to this virus, that's going to scare people from going out to the ballots. And if they're going to even be proactive with doing mail-in, because do you have to, how do you get mail-in ballots? I mean, is, do you can, can you just opt out for that or opt for that? You, you have you have to, yeah, you have to apply for a mail, uh, mail-in ballot. I've only done it once. Okay. Uh, so I voted by mail for Barack Obama in 2012. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's 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 pretty simple, but it's still not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, I actually have a friend who applied for a mail-in ballot uh, when he was living in Pennsylvania because for South Carolina, and uh, they just uh, this was in 2016 or something, and they just never replied and never sent him a ballot. So it's just like another thing where it's just uh, it, it, the the system itself is like questionable. So, yeah. uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that everyone should just receive a mail-in ballot a month before the election. You know what I mean? And just be able to just vote by mail if they want to, uh, and get it over with. It, it shouldn't be a yeah. question of, uh, and uh, honestly, like automatic voter registration should be a thing. And I mean, there, we could go on and on about like reform uh, election reform and stuff like that but it's just like entirely frustrating because uh you know nothing's good nothing good's gonna come of it come september or i mean november right right you know and gosh that that, that voter suppression thing is is so real and crazy because i i remember seeing because in the last election which um obviously wasn't the primaries but um i heard I heard on the news that some even some places in Texas were getting shut down early, you know, for no really specific yeah. reason. And, right. And those, you Texas know, is a, Texas is a really interesting example because they're like they're traditionally been a red state and are starting to like get closer and closer to being a blue state because of the number of immigrants and the mm. number of people tech people in and young people moving in and and it's just starting to like really move in that direction and so they're really starting to fire up uh the voter disenfranchising and uh, and today the i think it was the texas supreme court voted remotely so you know because of coronavirus that like everyone's still like voting remotely but they voted remotely to um not allow mail-in ballots Mm. which is an irony just heavy irony yeah yeah you're right Golly, and now I'm trying to imagine. Obviously, I'm not everyone has a privilege of having internet access, but I would love to see one day that where we can do that online or at our own, you know, without leaving our homes, you know. I mean, like, yeah, other countries do it. Just you automatically get registered when you turn 18. You receive a ballot in the mail. It's very, very simple. Um, and, and there's, and the only reason that we're not making it simple is cause it doesn't benefit the people who are currently in power. Yeah. And, um, on a state by state basis, you know, like, uh, it, it gets more brazen and specifically in North Carolina, um, there are a lot of examples of, uh, communities that, uh, and this happened in 2016 and I believe 2012, North Carolina is is a hotbed for really terrible like uh, 
trial balloons of like voter disenfranchisement. And uh, but what they would do was they would minimize the number of polling locations in communities that have more people of color. Like obviously, you know, you have that census data, so you know where the people of color live. So you mm. you uh, you reduce the number of polling places to make the lines longer and yeah. make people less likely to vote, and uh, make it further away from them. Um, and, and then where, like, they reduce the number of like polling locations. I think it was in Greensboro to just like you know to to the most minimal numbers. Where and then you go in rural areas where there be like every church is a polling location. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like, and it's it's incredible because no one no one knows about this and gives a fuck or knows what to do about it. So, and I mean, it keeps with North Carolina, it keeps these keep being cases that keep going to the Supreme Court. So it's just like dragged out over years and years until it gets fixed. Right. If it ever. Fixed. That's the thing if it ever gets fixed. The people who are in power don't want it to be fixed. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, lately I've been like toying with the idea of like, you know, uh, patriotism is like a, is a weird thing, right? So mm. like people being proud of being American and like they're over even the past like 20, 30 years, like even Barack Obama, like Barack Obama love him as I do still not my favorite person in the world. Uh, you know, because it's like still spreading the lie about what America really is and, uh, and trying to wash the history of, of it. I mean, like the country was, was founded by a bunch of rich people who were tired of paying taxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's whole, that's what the American revolution is. It's not this, like, you know, tyrannical government, you know, we have to overthrow them. Um, it was rich people were tired of paying taxes and wanted to be in control so that they uh, had poor people fight for them to do that. And, you know, they did it, you know, they wrote, Thomas Jefferson wrote that, you know, all men and women should be, or all, you know, all men should be created equal. But, like, at the same time, you know, having slaves, it's just not. <laughs> mm, that doesn't make any it's sense a, it's all one big farce like yeah. back to the very beginning of it and it makes me think that like you know like all things have to come to an end and eventually like this experiment of America will have to end and the capitalist uh, you know yeah, the, the capitalism yeah. and the, you know this form of democracy and we, we you know eventually just have to start over and uh, you know more and more just ask myself uh, the question like when does that happen Damn, that's a question that we should all uh, be answering, asking ourselves all the time. Yeah, I guess that's as far as I'll de- I delve into like conspiratorial things. Is I'm like, maybe we should overthrow the government. <laughs> <laughs> so, last thing I want to ask you, because and this kind of came to mind, because this is an argument that I have with people often, and I do see because I'm a I'm just more of a both sides kind of person. That's just who I am as a person. Um, which is a good and bad thing in some situations. So, speaking on the government, do you do you think we should have one? Do you think there should be a government? Oh wow! The uh, okay, so yes. Uh, generally speaking, I think the government should um, 
Yeah, that that that, that is a really good question. But uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely like the opposite of a libertarian. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. In that, like, because the idea, the libertarian idea, is that like if there are no if there's no government and no rules, then every you know everyone has an equal opportunity, equal chance, and that's just not, that's not how the world works. No, it's not. Yeah, it just it's like when you bring social equity into the conversation, you you realize you have to throw libertarianism out immediately, mm. and uh, so and and I think like uh, you know in even even in our country's history, like the government has worked to our benefit in ways that. Um, you know, obviously it could be improved, but, um, the, the, the new deal is like a really good example of that. And, uh, when, when you bring, bring up the idea, there used to be like a huge, uh, elderly poverty problem in this country before we had social security and, you know, there were people fighting against social security and, you know, uh, the, the the truth of the matter is, in the end, is that we all we all have a better quality of life with an empathetic government. Yes, uh, run, run by the run by the people with the power in in the hands of the workers. Yes, um, and not in those in in the hands of the billionaires. And which it, which is the current the current problem is yes. that. The billionaires are, are, are running things, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's you know it's even hard to talk about because it's just so it's just such a bummer because uh, you have five hundred billion dollar wealth gain over the past three months for billionaires in this country, where a lot of Americans are on the breadlines right now mm. and uh, sh- just struggling. And then you have these people that are getting just richer and richer and richer and richer and richer. And it's just, you know, no one deserves, no one deserves that. Uh, and I just, I don't understand how you could, uh, live with yourself down, you know, down to Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, the Walton family, uh, Mm. on and on, you know, how you can live with yourself knowing that you have more money than like, you know, hundred thousand people could use in a lifetime so uh you know it's definitely pro-government person but uh you know under very specific circumstances so Mm, okay okay i like your answer i like your answer like i you know we've been talking for for a long time i'm getting a little too long-winded and and having a hard time being as succinct especially after you know we've been through everything going on in the country right now and it's just so it's so much dude i know um, we're, we're getting ready. And, Go ahead. and i just know i just know my personal circumstance isn't even that bad so i feel bad even feeling like uh you know just exhausted yeah by, you know um but i'm just gonna you know keep doing my part uh if i as i can and like uh you know, if I, if I, I guess if I end, end on one thing, um, you, you called me woke earlier. I just want to just say, I hate the term woke. I do too. And, <laughs> and I hate like when white people think of themselves as woke and I hate when people don't recognize their privilege. And I specifically hate most when I don't recognize my own privilege. Mm. And, 
um, like my my goal in life is just to like is to admit when I'm wrong and learn as much as I can mm. and I think that should be what every person especially the the people who are not uh, disenfranchised should be doing um, absolutely absolutely but, dude good for you Tommy this has been wonderful I knew it was going to be a good conversation when you agreed to do it <laughs> you know what's funny is that like I last night uh, I did not sleep last night my sleep schedule has been so fucked uh, because of this and uh, and I this morning I met my sister I'd seen in 21 years oh my god and uh, so I was like I was like up all night like nervous about that and uh, just like excited as well and uh, and then you texted me on my way back from that and I was like do I have the energy for this is like of course for Daniel White I have the energy for it <laughs> <laughs> well dude this won't be the last time man this is gonna be a this this show I'll have I have guests on the same guest on multiple times if uh, the issue arises that I want them back on so um, I Absolutely. hope that you will join me again, and um, you know we can get we can get winded again and exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> get getting winded together on the Daniel White experience, dude. Let's freaking <laughs> go! But now, Tommy, this is wonderful. Obviously, Tommy is a is a beast at what he does. I am a Hugh Mungus fan. He's definitely inspiration to me. So I was ha- I'm happy that he's uh, on. You know, came on the show, and he's amazing. He's in Ohio, just hanging. So <laughs> I'm actually coming. I'm actually moving to North Carolina next week. Okay, I was going to ask you about that, but I didn't want to put you on blast. So okay, yeah. so you are moving. I'm moving back to North Carolina at least for the till you know, eventually moving back to New York, I guess. But um, when, when it when it arises, but I'm coming back to North Carolina next week, and you know, gonna get gonna get back to it, man. Just gonna do my do my best. But uh, honestly, uh, an honor to be on your show and talk to you about all this stuff and. I just really appreciate uh, you letting me be on here. Absolutely, brother. Well, damn, be safe out there. I know you're hanging out and uh, doing the best you can. I know you're being safe, too, so I'm not worried about you on, on that aspect. But <laughs> same time, well, I guess I'll be seeing you soon, man. Yeah, very soon. Absolutely, and I'm going to enjoy that, and I'm going to give you a big old air hug when <laughs> <But> I see <laughs> you because we're still going to be we're still I'm still doing my part in this whole thing but you know we're, we'll until, go. until there's a vaccine we're, I'm going to be being safe so yes yeah, so we're going to give virtual hugs vir- vir- virtual hugs for everybody because we know we know we need them right now absolutely bro well dude thank you so much I appreciate you to the ends of the world um, this has been a great conversation and people who are listening if you're still with us please, please subscribe um Hey, uh, ring, ring that bell. Get those notifications. Uh, hit that. Sus- smash that subscribe button. Smash uh, it. You know you want to listen to Daniel White on your commute to work uh, or while you're just working from home. Yes. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> A cab. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, bro. 